Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Well, hello everyone. This is Suzanne Knabenikol from Police Science Doctor with a slightly later edition of the live police science snippets. So the police science snippets are basically three golden nuggets from academic research that has been published recently that I thought might be useful to some of you guys to some extent. So police science doctors all about taking research in criminology, forensic psychology, investigative psychology, policing research, and putting it into some kind of format that frontline practitioners can use. So the three snippets I've got for you today, and as you know, you can get these emails to you with a link to the original research. Just join the free police science doctor email list on policesciencedr.com and enter your details into the registration form. So first snippet for today is financial investigations in routine policing. Rather than purely assisting in asset recovery, financial investigations could actually be used for tracking persons of interest, linking multiple individuals in a criminal enterprise and corroborating alibis. Barriers to implementation include its perception as a specialism, the geographical and organizational isolation of financial investigators, and limited knowledge among general or general duties police officers of what financial investigation can achieve. So financial investigations have a fantastic um, potential to assist in routine policing, but most routine policing involved people are not quite aware of that and therefore do not request the services of them. And they often, and I know that from the police forces that I was working for, they often are not actually part of the general policing population They're sitting somewhere and even in the separate buildings, as it says here. So there's a lot of potential that could be exploited. So go ahead and start talking to some financial investigators and see what they could assist you with. The second snippet for today is about incarceration and domestic abuse following on from that. The incarceration of males, and I think this is for any kind of crime, can heighten the risk of their perpetration of intimate partner violence when they come out through their psychological and interpersonal adaptations to contact with the criminal justice system. So the way a person goes into the criminal justice system, perhaps especially the first time and the way they come out, is probably not the same thing. So obviously people have to adapt to various situations, including how to deal with the pressures and stresses of being in, in prison. And that can have an impact of how they deal with situations and people when they come out again. So this research has found that actually there's a heightened risk of pay, people who have been released from prison becoming perpetrators of domestic abuse. Another reason I think why most people should not that are in prison shouldn't actually be there. Some people, yes, they have to be there, but we know prison doesn't work. It actually makes people worse. It has a very negative impact on society, financially and socially and criminal justicely and in many other kind of ways. Um, the last snippet for today is predictors of institutional misconduct. So when somebody is in an institution, for example, in a prison, what factors can actually predict misconduct? So this research found that with incarcerated adults, it was found that perceptions of guidance received from someone they feel they can rely on tended to reduce misconduct. So if they feel they can trust the person, the person is going to have their back if they, you know, if that is necessary, and they give some kind of guidance or advice, then that can actually um, reduce the, the likelihood of the person conducting misconduct, carrying out misconduct. However, guidance received from an untrusted source 
perhaps that can be a source of authority. Um, I don't know, a prison guard is somebody who works there, um, tended to have the opposite effect. So that can actually heighten the risk of misconduct. And also sentence length is negatively associated with misconduct. So the longer the sentence, the less likely somebody is to commit mis misconduct. So it's it's often those with shorter sentences that um, I, I really need to work out what is the verb for committing misconduct, carrying, perpetrating misconduct for misconducing themselves, perhaps. Okay, so these were the snippets for this week. There'll be more again next week. As I said, if you want these in your inbox, just Google Police Science, go to my website, Police Science Doctor, and enter your details into the registration page, um, into registration box that pops up. And um, I'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps, and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address, and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.